I'm your host, Jeff Gluck, and today it's another 12 questions version of the podcast. This time it's with Joseph Newgarden, who is currently the points leader in the IndyCar series, drives for Team Penske, and in my opinion, happens to be one of the better personalities in all of racing. And uh, hopefully you will agree with me after hearing today's 12 questions, because I think it's a good one. I asked you guys, at least the patrons and the listeners of the podcast, which one I should run this week because I recorded uh, both Newgarden and James Hinchcliffe at Long Beach. You guys said run Joseph Newgarden now. He's a great story. He's been running well. He's the points leader. And then save James Hinchcliffe for the Indy 500. He, of course, missed that race last year, and he'll be a big story going to that week. So thank you for the advice and help on that. And so let's get right to this week's 12 questions with Joseph Newgarden. All right, everybody, I'm here with Joseph Newgarden. And uh, Joseph, the first question is, are you an iPhone person or an Android person and why? Oh, I'm definitely an iPhone person. I've always uh, I've always had Apple products, um, probably a bit of a fanboy of Apple. <laughs> you know, I, I, see, uh, I see people go back and forth on the debate where, you know, the, the sort of the capabilities of Android are probably better. Um, the infrastructure, people say, is better to some degree. But, like, I've just always liked Apple products. You know, I like the styling and the design. I remember when the very first iPhone came out, and I was so pumped for that. And I got the very first iPhone. And um, Whoa, you were an early adopter. Oh, yeah. I was right away. I actually remember they a- Apple made with – they had a partnership with a different uh, cellular brand, um, which was – I don't know why they could have chose a better cellular brand for their partnership for sure, but um, they had they came out with a phone that had the iTunes button on it, and you could you could put music on your phone, and that was like really cool to me because um, I always listened to music when I was younger. And then I, I I I from that moment I was like, man, they've got to do something more with phones. And obviously, then the iPhone came out like pretty pretty soon afterwards. So, um, yeah, very early on. But what, why I use an iPhone is because I integrate everything on Apple. Mm. Like I have an Apple computer, I have an iPad, and so when I need something lighter for travel, I use my iPad, and it's all integrated. You know, yeah. everything that I do is is over Apple. So I try and keep it consistent. Okay. Uh, let's say a fan meets you in the paddock, and you know you might be walking somewhere or whatever. You only have a, a brief moment. Um, between an autograph, a selfie, and a comment that they, something they might say to you, what's the best way do you think for them to maximize that that brief interaction from them or from me, from me? Like what what would you tell them as far as like hey you know you might want to think about doing this or oh yeah like how de- should they use that time? I think a comment is definitely more like if you're asking me what's most impactful yeah I think a comment's most impactful. You know it's great to give a photo, it's great to give an autograph, um, and that's going to last, but. I think the personal interaction is what matters most. Whenever you meet someone and you just have, you know, you truly meet them instead of just kind of running through people because it's hard. You know, you get pulled left and right when you're walking through the paddock and you, you don't want to just brush people off. Um, it's easy to get kind of focused in on what you're doing. But if you if you give them a genuine amount of attention and say, hi, nice to meet you, you maybe learn a little bit about their story or where they're from. Are they here locally? Did they travel in? And you give them a nice comment about the track or what you're doing or thank you for coming. Um, I think if as long as it's meaningful and genuine, that goes the the, 
the furthest than anything else. I think mm-hmm. people appreciate that the most, okay. in, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when someone pulls a jerk move on the road, does that feeling at all compare to what it's like when someone pulls a jerk move on the track? <laughs> um, no, because I, I well, I, I think it's more of a jerk move on the track because the the guys, the people driving race cars, know what they're doing generally, mm-hmm. and so when it happens, it's very purposeful. You know, you kind of have to take into account that there's a lot of people on the road in the U.S. that just are so unaware and don't know what's going on yeah. half the time. So they may have done something to offend you, and they have absolutely no idea why, or they're not even aware that they've offended you. <laughs> so it's to me, it's way more of a jerk move on a racetrack. Okay. Um, has there ever been a time when you've had a sketchy situation with your safety equipment? Oh, with my yeah. I mean, you, I think the biggest thing that happens is belts. If belts ever come undone, that's a very scary situation. I've had that happen once in my career. Thankfully, only once. Um, it was at a road course too. I think on an oval, you'd be even more timid if your belt came loose or unbuckled. And and what happened to me? Yeah, I had I had my left side uh, harness, um, my shoulder strap unbuckled, and I was like, well, I don't I don't know what to do in this situation. You know, do I just so I just kept on driving. Oh, wow. And then fortunately, I'm pretty sure we had like an exhaust failure. And like I caught on fire. And oh. like I had to come into the pits and like I retired the race, thankfully. So it like coincided with this terrible safety issue. Um, but that's that's the one I hear about a lot. I've also had, oh, I have an even better one. I have had, I've literally had a wheel fall apart in my hands while driving down, oh. a, down a straightaway into a, at like 150 miles per hour going into like a 40 mile an hour right hander on a street course oh you know, so there's gosh. walls very close there's not a lot of runoff and the wall the the, the wheel literally just it, it came apart so it's not like you could just put it back on you know I've seen that before where guys you know, the wheels come off like I think Dale Jr. it happened to him once yeah. the, like the wheel popped off he like put it right back on immediately and he was fine this thing like it, the bolts fell out of it Wow. Like the, the hub was like completely disconnected. So I just, I had like the hand in my wheels here, or the, the wheel in my hands, and I just, fortunately, the caster of the car just straightened it out, and I just went into a runoff zone. Wow. And I didn't hit anything. Oh. And so then I radioed in, I'm like, hey, like, I'm just sitting here, I have the wheel in my hands, like, I can't go anywhere, like, you guys have to come get me. So that was the worst situation that's ever happened, and I think Dang. it was quite embarrassing for everybody. But yeah, you don't want you don't want your wheel to just fall apart in your hands when you're doing 150 miles per hour. Yeah, where where was this? St. Petersburg. Oh, St. Pete. Okay. I think it was 2013. It was my second year in IndyCar. It happened. Wow, that's wild. Yeah. Um, if your team put on uh, a super secret illegal part onto your car that made it way faster, would you want to know about it? <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah, I definitely. I think I would. I think I would. I would because I'm a control freak. Okay. And, like, I, I crave information, uh, but in a positive way. Like, I feel the best when I have uh, the, the most knowledge of something, whether it's the session we just ran or it's the way I'm driving the car. I want to have as much knowledge as possible and understand everything. So I think I would want to know about it. But at the same time, if I didn't know about it and we were just fast, it wouldn't bother me. Yeah. I don't think it would bother me. If you asked me if I wanted to know, I'd want to know. But it wouldn't bother me if I didn't know. Okay. Uh, what is a food you would not recommend eating right before a race? And are you speaking from personal experience with this recommendation? 
what would I, oh man, I would, I would definitely say don't experiment too much, which I struggle following myself. It's hard to not experiment on race weekends because, you know, you're just kind of, it's hard to control. It's different. It depends on the driver. Um, if you're at a race weekend where you're in your motorhome, for instance, or if you take a motorhome to the track, then you can generally control the food you're eating for the weekend. There's a lot of guys that don't do that. I don't have a motorhome outside of the Indy 500. I don't take a motorhome anywhere. So I'm at hotels and like finding food is different every night. Then you're going to all sorts of restaurants. So it's hard to, it's hard to not experiment and eat different stuff. But, um, that's where you get in trouble. Sometimes if you experiment with like a seafood dish, it's probably unwise, but it's definitely bit me before. But then you'll also get bit by things that you think are like fine. I had a lamb dish last year at the season finale. It was just lamb. You know, lamb's a pretty safe choice. Yeah. I would think, but I got food poisoning the night before the race at Sonoma last year. Wow. And so you just never know. I mean, it can bite you whenever, but you know, you try and, uh, yeah, I, I would, seafood to me is the most risky thing in the business. You, if you're eating seafood, make sure it's at a like reputable establishment. That's the best advice I can say. <laughs> that is good advice. Good advice for life in general. Yeah. Uh, is there life in outer space? And if so, do they race? <laughs> I hope so. Goodness, I hope so. I'm a Star Wars fan, so you know they race in outer space. They race all sorts of stuff. Um, I I I think it's impossible to say that there isn't life in outer space i mean there you i don't think we know you know i think we're we're becoming more and more advanced as humans and maybe one day we'll be able to answer that question more from a more educated standpoint but i would say yeah i there's i think there's a high likelihood that there's other life beings you know outside of the planet earth um do they race i sure hope so you know, it's very sad if they don't. We <laughs> it should would be sad. Totally spread that message one day if we meet them and they don't race. <laughs> I like that. Uh, what do drivers talk about when they're standing around at driver intros before a race? All sorts of stuff. There's a lot of people sizing each other up. That's happening. You know, you got this whole. Everyone in IndyCar is pretty cool for the most part. You uh-huh. know, we're genuinely. You know, you you're kind of mentally sizing everybody up, but you're also not. You know, because. I think we find that that doesn't really work in IndyCar. You can only do so much of that. You might be doing that with one individual, but for the most part, 90% of the people that are there, you're really just catching up. You know, it's like, hey, how's your weekend been? Or like, where are you staying? Or, hey, how's your car? Or if you know someone had a bad qualifying session, you'll talk to them about that. Maybe you both had a bad qualifying session. Like, for instance, Ryan Hunter Ray and me last weekend, we were sitting together and driver and chosen was just like, man, this has been a bad weekend. We both were just struggling. And I think 90% of the time you're talking about what's already happened that weekend. Gotcha. You know, why your car is not good, how the race is going to be, um, if it's about to rain, whatever it is. You're, you're generally talking about racing in, in those moments. Okay. Um, what makes you happy right now? Uh, what makes me happy right now? Um, well, at the moment, this cookie in my belly makes me very happy. Uh, we... <laughs> Penske, Penske Hospitality only travels at like four events now. They used to travel to a lot more. I was just talking about this. I'm so sad because we have awesome chefs, and they always make good cookies. Um, I actually make too good of cookies <laughs> because then I eat them all. I have like 10 cookies on a weekend, which is not good. Um, so that makes me happy. Uh, food in general, I'm, I'm big into food. Like I just like to eat. Whenever we're going out you know, in uh, you know, a different city, I really want to find a good restaurant. Um you know, but everything makes me happy. I mean, I, I'm honestly, I just live. I'm so so fortunate. I live a great life. Get to work for Team Penske, which is the coolest. 
Um, you know, I'm healthy. My family's healthy for the most part. Um, so no dramas, man. That makes me so happy. I mean, that's the biggest thing. I, you know, you, you wish health for everybody just because you see it all the day. People have all sorts of struggles. But if you're healthy and, and happy and you've got, you know, a good opportunity to work in life, then that's all you can ask for. Yeah. Okay, so let's say uh, a sponsor comes to you and they're like, Joseph, great news. We're going to fully fund the entire rest of your racing career. But there's a condition, and that is that you have to wear a clown nose and an 80s rocker wig in every interview you do for the rest of your career. Would you accept this deal? Yeah, no problem. It's no problem. absolutely zero issue. I mean, I would like to think I don't need to do that now to get a sponsor. But if I had to get a sponsor and that's their gig, and they're going to spo- they're gonna support me, I know they're supporting me, and I have to do this, then no problem. It's like, can I reveal that to people? I would just, I would just tell it. This is part of my program. Like, this is what these guys like, and I support them for liking it. You know, and they sponsor my race car. No problem. Yeah. If I can okay. reveal it, then it's like no issue for me. Right. Okay. Whatever, whatever you need. That's actually not a terrible request. Yeah. There could be worse requests, right? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know what people would require, but like, that, yeah. if that's the requirement, I could get down for that. That's okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was that was an easy deal. Um, this is the 10th year I've been doing these 12 questions. I've never repeated a question until now. Really? So if you pick a number between 1 and 100, I will uh, choose a question from a past interview and then ask you that question. You have 100 questions prepared? Um, well, kind of. So are they I, like 1 maybe to 10 is a question? I a, a guess on what, you, what numbers you may have picked, but we'll, we'll find out. You, got, you need me to choose one number. Between zero and a hundred. Yes. And you've you've get how many numbers have you guessed? Um, this is fun. I don't now. have this down to a science yet. I I you know uh, here's the truth. It all sounds year, like a game. Yeah. All year I've been mean to make a one up to a hundred and then cross them off as the drivers say it. But as each week goes along, I start to do the interview or I get ready for the interview and I go, oh crap, I haven't done that yet. So then I write down four or five questions and then depending on what you say. I go with that question. That's the real truth. Okay. Okay. I'm going to say 81. Oh, that was not what I thought you were going to say. I, I was hoping to go complete <laughs> opposite of what you think. But uh, that falls into this category, which is um, the question is, where did your first paycheck come from? Oh, my first paycheck. Like uh, like a real, real paycheck? Or can it be, hey, you got a check for mowing lawns? Uh, I think like I'm thinking, or I think I was thinking back when I asked this question, it was like where where was like the first paycheck that you got that like you went into a bank account you're like here's here's a check yeah oh man did I you mean, mow lawns i did yeah i mowed lawns i had like a car cleaning service at one point a car cleaning service yeah i was big into that um because i'm i'm kind of like ocd so yeah detailing cars was something i was very into because i'm into cars and for me everything's got to be pristine so i kind of fell in love with detailing vehicles and then i'm just you know parlayed that into like that's a job i mean you can do that for a living um some people have very successful detailing companies so i yeah i mowed lawns and i detailed cars um that's how i had some income when i was younger i did this when i was like you know 15 to 19 okay yeah um so i got checks for that i put them in my bank account that's probably my you know my more successful forays into business when i was younger uh but when i but to 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 give the real, real job answer, the first time I started making real money was when I got hired in IndyCar. I was 20 in 2012. And you you don't get written a check. I mean, they send you a wire, you know, straight to your bank account. And that's cool. When that yeah. If that starts happening where you're driving for an establishment, 
and you're hired and they're just transferring you money <laughs> monthly per a contract, that's pretty cool. And that I remember that very distinctly. Um, yeah, so that was 2012 that started. That sounds that sounds like something I would enjoy as well. It's yeah. it's it's awesome, man. And you get you you get to drive the race car. Yeah, I mean that's it's so cool. It's the greatest. <laughs> I love it. Um, so each week I ask somebody to give me a question for the next interview. Um, I did an interview with NASCAR driver Matt DiBenedetto, and he says, "What do you think is harder about racing open wheel cars than stock cars, and what do you think is easier about it?" Ooh, okay. Um, I, I truly, I genuinely believe physically indie cars are harder. That's not a knock. It's just, it's just what it is. You know, the, these cars. But I, I would also preface that with it, the physicality is different. I, I think overall it's more physical. Um, if you're talking about heat management, I think the NASCAR boys have a lot more difficulty than us. Then you know the temperatures of their vehicles are much higher, um, so they have to deal with probably you know 140, 150 degrees Fahrenheit of temp. We're not nearly that high, but there's no power steering. There's much higher G-loading because of the weight and downforce that our cars produce. So laterally, we make a lot more grip. Um, we go a lot quicker through the corners. I think physically they are tougher to drive. That doesn't speak to the difficulty of skill-wise to drive the car. I just think physically you have to be a bit more fit to drive an Indy car. I mean, even Juan Pablo Montoya is a great example. You know, him coming back from NASCAR to IndyCar, he know he knew he had to lose quite a bit of weight hmm. just to fit in the car and then also be fit enough to drive it. So I would say that part is harder. Um, what is e you said the other part is what is easier? Yeah. I don't know what's easier. Um, I, pitting. Pitting is easier in an IndyCar. Um, we have a pit lane speed limiter. We can put on a button. It's automatic. You still have the difficulty where you can't speed coming into pit lane, but you don't have to modulate your speed through the pit lane. Whereas NASCAR, they have to modulate that off an RPM. They've got to do that off their foot. I think that's more difficult than what we do on the yeah. IndyCar side. I bet a lot of NASCAR drivers would love to have the button. It's amazing. Yeah. It's so nice. I mean, there's still some skill. You got to, you know, you got to get down to the speed limit. You got to be the quickest in that segment, but mm -hmm. then it's easy street for the rest of pit lane. They would love that. I'm very unprepared for this, Jeff, to ask another question. Uh, for the next person, what is your opinion on mullets? And mustaches, you know, do or mustaches. I don't know how you say it. Um, do you like them? Do you dislike them? Do you have one personally? Um, and if you don't, do you want to have one? And also, are you allowed to have one? That's my question. It's Bullets very loaded. Mustaches, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's that's gonna be get deep with somebody. I like that. That's yeah. Good. Someone yeah. might elaborate on that one. You know, okay. if it's Blaney, you could have a great conversation on that. Yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll do that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, thanks so much for doing this. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff. All right, everybody, there you have it. Joseph Newgarden on the 12 questions. And, you know, sometimes you just do an interview and it's so fun. You're just like, I mean, I can't believe I get to do this. It's, it's just such a blast. So uh, that was one of those. And I really enjoyed that and um, appreciate him taking the time to do so. I was actually running late to that interview because um, I had the James Hinchcliffe interview ran long. So I was like running 10 minutes late to the Joseph Newgarden interview. And he waited and then gave me plenty of time. So it was just like, you know, a lot of drivers, you know, they, they don't have to do that. So I, again, I, I appreciate that. Anyway, speaking of IndyCar coming up on the next edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck podcast, it's going to be one of the Driven Life series. This one's with Katie Hargett. Katie is a media member in IndyCar. She's done pit reporting and things like that. But she's also the founder of a really cool initiative called Fuel the Female, where she's trying to empower and educate 
young women to get involved on the STEM side of racing. And uh, with the month of May coming up, I wanted to talk to her about that and explore why that's such a motivation and passion for her and maybe expose some people to it so they could um, get on board and support the project as well. But then for those of you who are NASCAR only, don't worry. The episode of the podcast this weekend will be from Talladega Super Speedway, where I'll be doing a post-race version with a media member there. And we'll be talking all about the Super Speedway racing. I was going to say restrictor plate racing, but no more restrictor plate racing. Tapered spacer racing, you know, uh, that's that's the term. You can't say restrictor plate anymore. There's no more restrictor plate racing. Anyway, we'll see how that all turns out. Are, is there going to be... Uh, Tandem drafting. We don't know. Is, is the tandem going to be back? Some people are saying it is. So we will see this weekend, and I will be there. Looking forward to that. Anyway, thank you so much, as always, for listening. I really appreciate your support. It's uh, something I definitely don't take for granted. I'm well aware there seems to be a new podcast every week, and then all the existing podcasts are putting out some great content right now. So uh, I know it's a crowded space, and you really don't have to listen to mine. So I appreciate those of you who do and i especially really like hearing from you on twitter so thanks so much for that it makes me feel really good and uh anyway i will talk to you again soon on the untitled jeff buck podcast